So what we need to do is we need to cut that place off. Whether you know it or not, sometimes we just let these little lies get in. We need to cut the lie off in the name of Jesus, whatever it may be. Come on, let, let's join together. Let's join together. You can stand with me if you want to fight. Praise God. If you don't feel like fighting today, then just sit there. But those of you who are willing to fight with me, stand on your feet. And let's fight this thing in the name of Jesus. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we cut off every lying deception of the enemy. We take the authority of the people of God. In the name of Jesus, blood, blood. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over every spirit that would try to come into this place, into our homes, into our minds and hearts and spirits and try to deceive us of your truth. Oh, Lord God, we proclaim that the only openness we have is to the Spirit and to the Word of God. And we cut off every influence and we push out every demonic voice in the name of Jesus. We cut off in the name of Jesus. We cut off shame in the name of Jesus. We cut off fear in the name of Jesus. We cut off unworthiness in the name of Jesus. We cut off offense in the name of Jesus. We cut off the spirit of lethargy, the spirit of the victim, the spirit of confusion in the name of Jesus. We cut off rebellion in the name of Jesus. We cut it off in the name of Jesus. Lord God, as we lift your name on high, we give you honor, we give you glory. Hallelujah, Lord God, that's our worship. And we open our hearts to you to receive the word of life. Hallelujah, the word of correction. The word of reproof. Hallelujah, the word of instruction. Hallelujah, Lord God, I love you. Oh, Lord God, and I need you. Thank you, Lord God, for your spirit of Jesus. Why we communicate with you. Yes. Oh Lord God. Hallelujah. Bring back to our remembrance yes. all things that you have spoken to us. Yes. And help us to remember just how much you've saved us from. And how much uh, you love us, Lord God, that we love you back. Hallelujah, Lord God, and want to pray. Hallelujah, want to communicate. And want to tell souls about this wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God, as we lift you up, imagine by the name come. Dwell in this house, Lord God, richly. Hallelujah. And overwhelm us with the spirit and power of the highest of God. Yes, Jesus, praise you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Hallelujah.
Well, if they tell you that, it's not going to be an illusion. All it's going to do is be is a distraction. Yes. So it's not going to be an illusion. All they're going to do is make you look over here when they're really doing something over here. It's not even an illusion. So everything they say is a lie. Mm -hmm. If they tell you, this is not a trick. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know if they go into the water for 60 seconds or whatever while they're trying to get themselves out of the train, a chance. This is not a trick. This is real. People can really die. Well, here's the thing. It, it is a trick. Right. Okay. It's, there's always a trick to it. Yeah. There's always a hidden key. Mm -hmm. there's, there's always yeah. a trick. It is a trick. They're trying to sell you, oh, I'm so skilled or I'm so uh, whatever. Well, see, this is what the devil does. Mm -hmm. He'll come at you and tell you, I'm an illusionist. I'm about to trick you. I'm about to fool you. And we say, okay, let me see it. But Paul said, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Right. So when Paul says in another place, don't give place to the devil. This is what he means. Don't let the devil tell you what he's about to do. You punch him square in the nose and say, yeah. you're not doing anything. Right. Because if you try to wave your left hand over here, there's guaranteed there's going to be a dagger in the right hand that's coming around to stab you in the back. That's all he's here to do. To steal, to kill, and destroy. Yes. Amen, my Lord. So when the devil tried to tell you that he's about to afflict you with sickness, it's a lie. Great. If he could do it, he would have already done it. We see no record of the devil coming and whispering in Job, Job's ear, I'm about to kill your kids. I'm about to take everything from you. Nope, the devil just came down and did it because he had permission mm -hmm. from on high. Right. He didn't bother trying to do the illusion he could do the real thing. He had commission from the Almighty God to just come in and do it. So when the devil comes to you and starts whispering your ear, he's going to start doing stuff to you. He's going to take your livelihood, or he's going to take your life, or he's going to take your family, or he's going to take your job, or whatever it is. Don't believe it. It's always a lie. It's always an illusion. It's always a distraction. Come on now. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. This COVID stuff, it's a distraction. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's all it is. It's a distraction. It's a control tactic. Yeah. This is the reason why in my own life and even over you, I'm constantly praying, Lord, remove us, deliver us from control tactics. Yes. Amen. Amen. The spirit of Jezebel works through control. Yes. Uh, a spirit that we don't often confront, but we should more often, is the spirit of Ahab. Ahab was a coward. We need to be released from a spirit of cowardice at times. Because yeah, that, that was Ahab's problem. See, we, we always focus on the woman Jezebel, and she was a wicked woman. But she had a husband that just laid down like a dog. And just let her do anything she wanted to do. Because he was a coward. He went into battle, and he didn't dress as a king. He dressed as a commoner. Because he's a coward. But he still got shot. Because that's what happens to cowards. They die like dogs. And that's the reason why Ahab died like a dog. And so did his wife. Now, I'm getting real tough here. Because the devil's going down. Okay? Hey, listen. Whether he defeats you or not, he's going to spend an eternity in the lake of fire. That's right. Okay? 
The devil's a loser. Yep. He's always been a loser. And it's okay for you to tell him he's a loser. I'm not saying challenge him. I'm not saying challenge his strength and power. I'm saying in the power and authority in Jesus' name, you can tell him, devil, you're destined for hell, but I'm destined to be with Jesus for eternity. You are destined for total and utter separation, but I'm destined for a total and completed relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. And you're not going to change that. Praise God. So whenever we feel sick, whenever we feel fear, whenever we feel guilt, shame, unworthiness, it does not come from God. When we feel depressed or anxious, it doesn't come from God. Whenever we feel desire, lust, you know, overwhelming weariness, it doesn't come from God. He gives us godly ambition for righteous things. He gives us a spiritual energy and drive, even to the point where King David said, the zeal of the Lord's house has consumed me. It's totally eaten me up. And you know what? That was perfectly fine. I was perfectly fine. Now, this is not my message today. I'm just saying sometimes we have to come into the house of God and remember who we are. Praise God. Psalm 91, we're going to read it one more time. Praise God. Praise God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. That noisome pestilence is the little bug that buzzes in your ear. It's nothing but a little tiny gnat. But when it gets in your ear, it's the loudest thing you can hear. He shall cover thee with his feathers or his pinions. And under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. There are four Hebrew words in those last two verses. And they were the names of false gods and demons. Literally, the psalmist is putting the names of demons into the word of God by saying, they will not overcome us. It doesn't translate into English because the English translators don't realize what, what is being said there. But the writer here is literally saying, Devils will not overwhelm me. Hey, I can get sick, but the devil won't win. I can go broke, but the devil's not going to get me. I can lose a relationship, but the devil's not going to end my life because my life was given by God and it would be taken by God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near to you. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Come on, Lord God. Amen. Amen. 
Oh, come on, Lord Jesus. Give us faith in your word. Oh, Lord God, give us faith in your word to stand upon it. I shall not die, but live and declare the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. How many recognize this is the same passage that the devil tried to tempt Jesus with? Because even the devil knew it was a messianic song. Even the devil knew it was a scripture that was talking about the coming Messiah. But just because the devil knows the scripture doesn't mean he has the power of God in your life. He only has the power that God will give him in your life. And if God gives him any power in your life, it is for God's good. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We're just going to have to give our life totally yep. to the Lord. Yep. Amen. Lord God, whatever good you want from my life, you take it, even if it feels bad for me in the moment. Right. You go ahead and do your good. We always think that God's got to give us comfort. But He never promised that. No. But what he said was, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Mm. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires Amen. that he put in your heart in the first place. Yes, <laughs> Hallelujah. For it is God that works in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. In other words, you won't even stub your toe if it's not God's will. He never said you wouldn't stub your toe. He just said, if it's not God's will, he'll even keep you from that. Right. Hallelujah. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. Thou shalt trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. We do have promises in the Bible. If you would honor your authority, she will have long life on this earth. Amen. If you will honor the authority, you will have long life in him. In the name of Jesus. Come on, we're about to pray again. We just heard about a church out in New York that shut down because of a COVID outbreak. We're not, we're not preaching against them. We're not putting them down. We're, we're not saying they're, they're a bad church, an unfaithful church. I'm just getting sick and tired of hearing these kind of things. I'm getting sick and tired of hearing about pastors who are taking people's temperature before they come to church. I'm sick and tired of hearing about pastors that are so paranoid that they won't even have church. I'm not mad at the men I'm mad at the devil Amen. who is so insidious. And I'm, I'm angry at the powers in our own nations that have given into the voice of Satan. Now I know there's an agenda. I know we're coming, we're in the end times, and I know it's got to shape up to this. I know we gotta go through the, the, end, the end days, and it's a little scary. Mm -hmm. You know what? We don't have to fall to this. Amen. Excuse my language. We don't have to fall to this crap. 
Because that's what it is. Amen. It's the enemy. Amen. 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 We're praying for um, we're praying for my family out in New York. Uh, some of them have tested positive. But we're praying more for faith to rise. Amen. Praise God. To, to let us know we are above the enemy's agenda. Amen. Amen. Come on. Our bodies are the Lord's. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you. Hallelujah. Amen. Our spirits are the Lord's. Our hearts and minds are the Lord's. We've given them to God. We're praying for that church. We're praying for my in-laws. We're praying for the people of God that have, have gotten this thing. Come on. We are above this. I'm not saying we'll never get sick. I'm not saying we'll never get a cold or a flu or even COVID-19. God never promised that. What He said is the plague, the overwhelming plague, the plague that comes from heaven will not come near you. And whatever the devil allows near you, the God, the, the, the God who heals all, the God who created this world, He's got something better on the other side. Thank you, Jesus. Even if the other side is heaven and glory. Amen? Amen. Come on. It's, it's time to just revisit these truths. Come on. We, we talked a lot about this stuff last year. But, but here it is. We're in 2021. We're in almost in May of 2021. We've been a year and two months in basic shutdown. It's, it's not time necessary to, to, to get rid of the restrictions in the world. Who cares about that? We need to get rid of the restrictions in the spirit. That the devil's trying to put on our minds and hearts. Come on. Who's ready? Who's ready to say a couple of prayers with me? Amen. You can stand or see if you see it. Whatever you feel like doing. But let's fight for a minute or two. In the name of Jesus. We're holding up our laws. We're holding up this church out in New York. We're holding up our pastors and our brothers. And our sisters in Christ. Who have fallen prey to the devil's deceptions. We cancel fear. In the name of Jesus. We cancel every demonic spiritual restriction. In the name of Jesus. We're not putting up with it. Devil, you can only do what the Lord God allows you to do. And whatever He does in my life, it is good. I will not fear you. And I will not succumb to your madness and insanity. But rather, I will love my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. Go! 
before every heart and mind in this place today that we would have new hope, new life, new joy, new peace, oh God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, folks. Folks, we just have to get real with what God is saying in His Word. We can read His Word, we can read His Word, we can read His Word, but sometimes, until it's pointed out to us in black and white, do, do we ever really get it? You know, Paul asked God to take something away from him three different times. And the Lord said, no, I'm not taking it away from you. Well, Lord, you told me to ask. You told me to knock, you told me to see. Yep, He did. But He never said He was going to do everything you wanted. Right, right, right. Paul asked him three times, and the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, now this is Paul talking, he said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in all my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. Here's the problem we're taking pleasure in the wrong stuff at his right hand. Our pleasures forevermore. He never said he's going to give you the pleasures that you want. Paul learned to take pleasure in something else. I will take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Praise God. Can we praise him one more time?
There's all kinds of seats right here. <laughs> right in the spit zone. No, you, you, can, you can leave it there. I know they're not going to move. Praise God. Praise God. Out of Hebrews chapter 10. that after you have done the will of God you might receive the promise for yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry mm -hmm. now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him but we are not of them who draw back into perdition but of them that believe for the saving of the soul hallelujah how many Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. How many, how many is in that that group here? And I, I've got my eyes closed, but we're not we're not playing games. We're not playing a show here. This is rhetorical. You don't have to say Amen or raise your hand or anything. You can if you'd like, but you know, remember that old song we used to sing? When the saints go marching in. <coughs> you know. The, the normal thing to do for that is start marching, right? Yeah. We haven't marched around here in a long time. <laughs> Praise God. You want to start it off? <laughs> but yeah, we'd say, you know, we'd sing when the saints go marching in. Next thing you know, we'd start marching. One day, I think it was during a camp meeting, it just occurred to me. While, and I, I was marching because, come on, let's face it, sometimes you feel peer pressure, right? Well, all the other spiritual people are marching. I guess I have to too, right? <laughs> so as I'm marching, it dawned on me. It says, oh Lord, I want to be in that number Amen. when the saints go marching in to, not can't be, into the gates of glory. Yes. You know, Amen. Well, we're sitting here marching around down here having a good time on a camp meeting or whatever. And hey, the whole purpose is now, we're doing everything we need to do right now because there's going to be a march later. Why are we marching now? <laughs> Might not be time to march now. But, you know, every time I read this scripture, it reminds me of that old song. When the saints go marching in. You know, we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. 
Hallelujah. You know, the writer of Hebrews is, is talking to these people and he's talking, and I assume it's a man, I don't know, but uh, he's talking from the viewpoint of, I'm in the number. Mm-hmm. I'm in the group. Mm-hmm. I'm in the kingdom. He, he says in the same book, we have better promises. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? We have a better covenant. It's really the same covenant, but it's renewed in Christ's blood. Mm-hmm. It's the same agreement, but we've got a better one. Why is it better? Because it's not ratified by the blood of a bull or a goat. It's ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And he said, we have an innumerable company of angels. You know, we, we, uh, we have this Mount Zion, that New Jerusalem. We've got these things promised to us. You know, in the same book, he says some things that really throw us off track if we don't read it the right way. He says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. If you don't know where that is, that's chapter 6. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith towards God, or of the doctrine of baptisms, and a laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. You know why? Because we're already in. We don't, we don't need to pour more concrete on the foundation that's already laid. That's right. That's right. We really don't. Does that mean we don't preach it to new converts? Oh, of course not. We have to, because they have to get the foundation. Right. Amen. Praise God. But if we're just going to keep pouring on top, we're going to get it be, eventually we're just going to be a big old tower of concrete. You can't live in it. Right. You can't store anything in it. You can't really do anything in it. It's just a big eyesore. Uh-huh. It's just an edifice that... Just a lot of wasted effort. Because mm-hmm. it didn't do its purpose. Mm-hmm. This is what the writer's saying. Is we're, not, we're not laying it again. Are these all these truths good? Yes. But then he says something that really disturbs us. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened to have tasted and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God, and the powers of the world to come, if they should fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Yeah, it gets quiet when we read stuff like that. He talks about Esau who sought repentance carefully with tears, right? Mm, But he couldn't get it. That scares us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You mean it's possible for me to try to repent even if I'm boo-hooing and blowing Mm -hmm. stop and crying on an altar Mm -hmm. that God won't forgive me? See, here's the thing. This is the Mm -hmm. problem with the New Testament church. They don't go back and read the old stories. We teach most of our Bible studies out of the New Testament, and I'm not saying that's wrong. We get all of our doctrine out of the New Testament without finding out where the doctrine comes from. Mm-hmm. So then we come across scriptures and we say, oh, is God not as good as he always said he was? Well, later in the same book, the writer says, we are not of those who fall back. 
But we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. Now, if that's all the scripture we had, that should be enough to drive us right. forward into Christ. Right. Hallelujah. But you've got to remember the old story. What was Esau trying to repent of? Well, he wasn't trying to repent of wrongdoing. He was trying to get Isaac to repent. Mm -hmm. Hear me now. Do we all? I mean, we could go into the Old Testament and read the story if you'd like. I just, for time's sake, let me just tell it to you. It's in the book of Genesis. Okay, it's in one of the 50 chapters, somewhere in there. Okay? Uh, somewhere probably around the middle. All right? Sorry, I don't have it in my notes. <laughs> What happened was Isaac had two boys. They struggled in the womb of Rebekah. And the Lord gave a word to Isaac and said, there's two nations. Actually, he gave it to Rebekah. He says, there's two nations in your womb that are struggling against each other. It's going to be, it, this is a, a prophecy. This is an encapsulated uh, paradigm that's going to last the rest of their lives and even the nations that come out of them. Hmm. They're wrestling in the same space. Hmm. Well, Esau came out first, and he was a man's man. Jacob came out second, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what God's trying to say, but he says he came out smooth. So I guess if you're hairy, you know, you're a real man, right? <laughs> if, if you don't have as much chest hair as me, you're not as manly, right? I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, if, you, if you talk to the modern world, they say, oh, you're not as evolved as I am. That's why I don't have as much hair. Um, Marky. <laughs> Whichever it is, though, Jacob was the one who had a heart apparently after God, even though he was a trickster, right? Mm -hmm. Esau was a knucklehead, and uh, he liked all the manly stuff. And I'm not saying anything against manly stuff, but he liked all the manly stuff. And Esau was, you know, a man of the tents. He, uh, I guess he would rather just hang around at home and do home stuff. And the Lord never said that he was, you know, wrong or effeminate or anything like that. It's just he put a different personality in him. Mm -hmm. And it was Esau that was the righteous one. Now, I'm not speaking against, I'm not speaking for effeminate men, okay? Please don't think I'm talking about that. We as men of God need to be men of God. Amen. We need to be men of God. Amen. Come on, we, we, need, to, we need to stand up at like men, and I'm talking to all the men here, we need to stand up like men and be the heads of our home. Amen. Amen. That way Jezebel can't get in, Ahab can't get in either. Amen. We stand up and we call the shots. Amen? Amen. As the Lord calls the shots through us. Right. Amen. Praise God. Men of God. Amen. So we're not talking about limp-wristed, you know, milk-toast guys that just... Let, let, you know, everybody else run him around. No, no, no. This is not, I don't think, what Jacob was. Right. When Jacob made a decision to do something, he did it. Mm -hmm. Praise God. And he made a lot of good ones. Mm -hmm. But Esau was the rough and tough woodsman. And Esau, uh, Isaac rather just liked him better. He's his manly son. Yeah. You know? And uh, I can't wait to give this, this boy my blessing. We know the story. Jacob tricked him out of it. You sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to go ahead and give you the blessing. Esau comes in, ready for my blessing, Dad. 
He said, what, what, who? He said, who? Oh, that little trickster. And Esau cried, don't you have a blessing for me? And Isaac said, what can I do? I've already given him everything. See, these guys knew when they pronounced it, when they pronounced that blessing from the Lord, it's a done deal. He can't, he can't do it. But what did Esau do? Esau was trying to get his father to change his mind. That's the repentance that we're talking about in the book of Hebrews. He sought it carefully with tears. Now this is where we've got to understand. Because if we read just New Testament without understanding where the understand where the, the ideas are coming from, we're never going to get it right. How many people have lost out with God because they read a verse like that? It's supposed to drive you to God, not drive them away. How many people have read that reprobate passage in the book of Romans chapter 1 and instead of letting it drive them to God, let them drive it away because of a twisting. Here we go with that twisting again. You know, listen, folks, we need to fortify our minds with the salvation of God every single day. Amen. Amen. So that the devil can't twist the words. Can the devil twist the words of God? No, he can twist our minds if we give them place. Right. This is nothing about the power of God. I mean, his power is set and forever. It's limitless and almighty. Amen? Amen. But he says, you know, Esau sought repentance carefully. He's trying to get God to change his mind. Okay? Now, in this passage that we're talking about here, it said, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. Here's the catch. Seeing they crucified of themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now here's the thing. We cannot renew them. God will not renew them if what they're doing is trying to take benefit of all the power of God, but just live a carnal life. And trying to keep getting Jesus to get back up on the cross every time. A repentance means a repentance. It means a turning away. Don't keep trying to make God pay for your mistakes. Amen. Amen? Amen. Praise God. This is what we're talking about. But in a positive confession, in a confident passage... The writer says just that. Don't throw away your confidence. See, if he was trying to get us to throw away our confidence in chapter 6, he wouldn't have wrote what he wrote in chapter 10. Amen? Amen. So that's not what chapter 6 is about. Chapter 6 is a good warning. Listen, let's build a foundation. Let's get uh, repentance. Amen? Let's have faith. Towards God. Let's get baptized in the water and the spirit. Let's learn to lay hands on people. Let's understand that there is a resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Let's teach it. Let's preach it. Let's get it down into people's hearts. And let's move on and be perfected. Let's grow up. In other words, these are immaturity issues. And I haven't talked about that. We talked about that Wednesday. We may not go there today. But in the meantime, he's saying, let's grow up. Grow up because we're not those kind of people. We're not the ones that are like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. 
Right? Yep. Come on, let's not claim it. So he says, don't go away your confidence. In the book of, uh, well, I'm, I just had passes. Some, some of you can help me out. Or is it Psalms or Proverbs? It says, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Proverbs. Proverbs? Yeah. Thank you, brother. The book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, when I read uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says these, these three abide. Faith. Right? Charity. Faith, hope, charity. What's the greatest? We know that. Mm -hmm. To be charity. Charity is love in action. Mm -hmm. It's not just the emotion of love. It's not just feeling love for God or for people or for any kind of love. It's love that produces actions. Right. That's what James is talking about in James 2.26. Faith without works is dead. Right. As the body without the spirit is dead, faith without works is dead. It's not even a living entity. It's just an icon. It's just a cross on a post that we look to that doesn't do anything for us. Unless it reminds us that we need to get up on that cross ourselves every day and, and mortify the deeds of the flesh. Galatians 2.20 said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I, but Christ liveth in me. Hallelujah. And the life that is now in me is the life of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Praise God. He's saying, listen. I have taken part in his crucifixion. I'm not making him get back on a cross. You'll notice we don't have crosses around here. Because Jesus is not on the cross anymore. No, right. Now, did he go to the cross? Of course he did. Is, this a, is it a good reminder of what he did? Yes. But to me, it's a dead symbol. Right. And some people hang around their neck for a security blanket. That ain't going to do anything for you. That's right. Unless you take up your cross That's right. and follow him. Amen. Praise God. And taking up your cross does not mean getting it tattooed on your shoulder. And it does not mean hanging around your neck. And it does not mean putting a Jesus fish on your bumper. Sorry, folks. You stay here. I'm going to look out in the parking lot and see if anybody's going to Jesus. Sorry, folks, if that hurts feelings. But that's not going to get us saved. I, I had a friend I, I was trying to lead to the Lord when I worked up in Boston. And I said... He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I read that in the Bible. I said, so you've read the Bible? He goes, oh, he pats his backpack. He said, I carry, carry it with me everywhere I go. I said, great. Do you read it? He goes, well, I really don't read it. I said, well, why do you carry it around your backpack? He goes, well, it gives me a sense of security. <laughs> the Bible ain't doing you no good unless you pick it up and start reading it. Amen. Amen. That, this thing is not some magical talisman. No. Nope. Oh, as long as I got my Bible, I'm going to be safe. And these days, I don't know if they still do it, but you remember the old days? Courtroom. Raise your right hand. Place your left hand on the Bible. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth? Not the, the whole, whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help you God. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Like, like if you don't even believe in God, that's going to do anything for you. you know? So I don't even know if they do it anymore. They probably don't. Everything, the Bible's taken out of every other part of our nation's mind. Right. Take it out of that process too. But back in the day when this actually meant something, people wouldn't dare swear in a Bible and tell a lie. Mm -hmm. But I don't even know if I like that process because just swearing on top of pages that, that are written with ink that happen to be the Word of God 
How, how is that going to make you be more honest? Really, it's only your conviction in the Word of God because you've already read the Word of God that's going to do that for you. And if you've already got that conviction, you don't need to swear on a leather-bound book filled with ink and pages, right? Right. Anyway, I'm off track again. Here we go. He says, faith, faith, love, uh, sorry, uh, faith, hope, charity. There's faith that is in action. There's love. We've already talked about that. Charity in action. Faith is something that has to be activated. How about hope? He says, these three abide, or some translations say, and now we live in faith. Hope, charity, the word hope in Greek means earnest expectation. And as such, that word, it doesn't translate the same as our modern word hope. It, the Greek word hope is most often used in a positive sense, but it was a word that was neither positive or negative. Everybody following me so far? I'm not going to try to get too uh, deep in this Greek lesson. It's a word that means you fully expect that this person, whatever they say, is going to come to pass. Mm -hmm. It's like when you stand in front of a judge and a judge sentences you, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Now, when we hear that, we immediately think negative connotation. Mm -hmm. But is everything a judge says negative? Mm -hmm. What if the judge says all charges are dismissed? Well, that's good for you, right? Mm -hmm. Does the judge have the power to do that? Yeah. Now, not just you, but the bailiff, the defense lawyer, the prosecuting attorney, and everybody in that courtroom, and if there was a jury situation, every one of those jury members uh, would say, with earnest expectation, everything that judge just said is going to come to pass. Mm -hmm. Everybody with me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, our Lord Jesus Christ is a righteous judge. Hope in Him, living in hope in Him, is a forward action of I expect everything Jesus to say to come to pass, whether it is positively connotated or negatively connotated. Everybody okay so far? Yeah. See, in modern English, hope is almost always, in fact, it always is, in these modern days, a positive word. Right. The word Greek in the Greek is a word that just means you're totally expecting it. It also means total confidence in the speaker. Well, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. So I think that the kind of hope we live in here is the fear of the Lord. There's three different responses we give towards God. He loved us, so that's why we love Him. Amen? So there's love. And it's not, He didn't just love us. He so loved us, He gave Himself for us. So we so love Him, we give ourselves for Him. Mm -hmm. right. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, we also have trust, faith, belief. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all in the same realm, even though all the three of those words are slightly different. We're not going to get into that English mm -hmm. lesson right now. But we believe Him. We believe Him so much that we do what He says. Right. right. Amen. That's faith going forward. That's faith that's not dead. That's faith that's full of action. So it's actions that are the fulfillment. The fear of the Lord is the same. Oh, I don't just hope God's going to do it. I'm not just waiting around going, Oh, Lord God, I hope for that million dollars. And coming to the bank today. Oh, Lord God, please 
don't let Biden be lying when he said he was going to give me the stimulus package. That's not hope. Hope is the fear of the Lord. Listening to what God says. If you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to bless you. Right. Totally expecting it. I don't see where the money's going to come from. I don't see how it's going to happen. I don't even feel good enough to do it in my body. I, I don't seem like I have any support even in my own family. Uh, my car, uh, I don't even know if it's going to start when I get down the road and turn it off again. You know, but the Lord said go do it. And I have hope. I have earnest expectation that what He wants to happen is going to happen. And it's also the fear of the Lord. I will not risk His displeasure. So our three responses to God is faith, the fear of the Lord, and loving Him. The greatest, of course, is loving Him. Because we are not of those that fall back. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We... Uh, Turn, turn with me to Psalm 150. Let's look at that real quick. Um, some things in there I love about that psalm. We all know the psalm. It's right at the end, of course. It's the very last of the psalms. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. That word firmament basically means the atmosphere. And the breathable atmosphere of His power. Now, well, that's, this is just talking to people that are saved. No, it's talking to everybody. We know that by the verse 6, it says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. It's a worldwide <coughs> command to praise God. Mm-hmm. Praise Him. Mm-hmm. Praise Him. It didn't say praise Him if you feel like it. It said praise Him based on who He is, not based on what your situation is. Amen. Amen. The only qualification you need is to be able to be breathing. Right. Okay? Yes. And if you can't breathe or you can't talk, you can have someone praise God for you. Amen. That's the last thing my dad wrote to my mom before he passed on. He wrote on a piece of paper, praise the Lord for me. He had a ventilator down his throat, he couldn't do it. Or he couldn't do it vocally, I should say. He was praising God in his spirit. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't do it vocally, and so he was trying to tell my mom, Praise the Lord. Let's get everybody just praising the Lord. Stop crying. Stop, stop worrying. Just start praising. It was always his dream. It was always his heart's desire to go out of this world praising God. Yes. That's how my grandfather went out of this world, and that's how he wanted to go out. He wanted to go out like my grandfather, praising God. The last words on my grandfather's lips were praises unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Near the end, he looked up, his eyes took on a different cast, and they said, some of his kids said, Dad, what do you see? He said, oh, son, I can't describe it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And he left this life thanking Jesus. And my father was there at his bedside. And he said, Lord, I want to go out like that. But as circumstances Came about, he had a tube jammed down his throat. He didn't want that thing to be there. He didn't even want to go to the hospital. He was in a bad way, and um, my mom, uh, you know, felt it best. It looks like things are really, really bad, so they put him in the hospital. They didn't do anything for him. I think my dad would have rather been home 
in his own bed, praising God, and going to that hospital. But the kind of this decision was kind of made for him. He went there and he put that thing down his throat. And the only thing he could think of is, you worship the Lord with me because I don't any longer have the capability. If you're in a situation like that, you're off the hook. Other than that, praise God. Amen. Amen. Why should we praise God? Praise Him for His mighty acts, His works. Faith without works is dead. See, God does what He says. God speaks, and it happens. But I noticed over the years, I've, I've run across several situations like this in the church where I've run across people who are literally afraid to give a prayer request. Because they're afraid if they publicly stand in the house of God and say, please pray for this. If it don't happen, it's going to look like God's judging them. And they're more concerned about how they look than to give God glory. I have known people in the church that are too afraid to stand and give a testimony, a praise report for God. Because they're afraid if I give God glory, it seems like every time I do, the devil attacks me. So I'm more concerned with what's going to happen to me than give glory to God. But that's not what the Word of God said. It said, praise Him because He's done so awesome things. Amen. 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 If you have breath in your body, Praise the Lord God. Amen. It's not all about you. Hallelujah. It's all about Him. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you think I'm getting hot under the collar, it's not me. It's the Spirit that says, I know what's good for you. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good for you to praise the living God. Because it gets you into His throne room. It gets you before His throne. And that's where grace and mercy are dispensed. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Not according to how you feel. Or even according to how you think He's treating you. Just because He's good. And He's great. And He's the Almighty God. And He tells us all this different musical stuff to do. And that's great. That's fine. But he gets down to that last verse. If you have breath, praise him. Amen. Praise God. Praise him. This is an act of faith. It's an act of the fear of the Lord. It's an act of love. And this is what we live in. Praise God. We are not those that turn back. Hallelujah. But these, we are the ones that go forward. So don't throw away your confidence. Hallelujah. This is what the devil's trying to do in this hour. He's trying to steal our confidence. If I pray, will God really save me? What we often are praying, though, if I pray God to heal my body, will He still let me do all the things that's killing my body? Don't pray that. Repent. Come on, get rid of stuff. Amen. Stop trying to get God to change His mind about His nature. Lord God, can you keep letting me live in sin, but give me a good life? The Lord says, no. I can't do that. I can't muddy the waters in my kingdom. Praise God. Stop asking God. Oh, can you have mercy on my kids? Even though they ain't living right. No, what you need to do is, is say, Lord God, 
do whatever it takes to save my kids. Amen. Yes. Amen. Lord God, if you have to let them get in a car accident, if you have to let bad stuff happen to them, go ahead, Lord Jesus, whatever it takes to let them understand there's a living God. And He's calling them to a better place than what they have. We're always trying to say, Lord God, don't let my kid get sick or don't let him get into trouble. But what you're really saying is, Lord God, save them somehow, even though you give them blessings to live the way they want to live. That doesn't make any biblical sense. Doesn't make any spiritual sense. But in all of this, the Lord says, don't throw away your confidence. God is God. Amen. And God is a good God. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. He's not willing for any to perish, but that all would come to repentance. Right. See, you, you hear that? Yeah. He doesn't want anybody to die. But we've already been told there's going to be many that will find the wide gate. Or, or the, 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 the broad, the, the wide gate in the broad way, right? Yeah. He's telling us only a few will be saved. That's what Jesus said. Only a few are going to find the righteous path. So he never promised everybody's going to be saved. He said people that will repent will be saved. He said that people that believe and will be baptized will be saved. Right? He says that people that receive the divine nature, they'll have the power of God to walk a miraculous life. They'll be saved. We're not those. We're not those that fall back. We're those that believe to the saving of the soul. Praise God. You know, talking about faith, there, when we read the books of Genesis into uh, Exodus and following, we see a story laid out. You know, those two boys that we talked about earlier. Jacob, you went on to have 12 boys. One of those boys was named Joseph. Joseph got sold, or got, not really sold, but anyway, he, he found his way into Egypt. <laughs> and it wasn't a good I don't have enough time to tell that whole story but anyway suffice to say one of these boys found his way into Egypt in uh, basically a slave in a very powerful man's house he was a captain of the armies of Pharaoh and uh, even there he got betrayed and then he got thrown into prison uh, there he did, he did the work of God right there in prison he just kept doing the work of God and he got forgotten about two years of finding, his time came. He stood before the greatest king in the world and said, oh yeah, God showed me what that means. He said, you're going to have seven bad, uh, good years, you're going to have seven bad years. The seven bad years are going to be so bad, nobody will even remember the seven good years that preceded mm -hmm. This is what you should do. You should get yourself a guy who's really smart, who's really wise, who knows how to organize things, and get him to store up all the good stuff because if not, the seven bad years will eat everything up. And Pharaoh said, I think I found my guy. It's weird that he would take a prisoner out of prison and make him of such a lofty position. And he did. He says, nobody's power, more powerful than this man except for Pharaoh. He gave him a wife. You know, he, he gave him a house. He gave him a name. And uh, Joseph went to work. Joseph, he prepared for seven years for the bad times, right? Mm -hmm. Well, let's flip, flip that around. You got another guy, 
years and years later, who was born in a king's house. That's, what, that's how he started out. He, he, he wasn't born a shepherd. He was born in a king's house. He lived in a king's house for 40 years, and he wrestled with his destiny, and wrestling with his destiny got him kicked out of the king's house, and he went out into the wilderness, and he spent 40 years out there being a shepherd. So you got Joseph, who was a shepherd, ended up in a king's house, and you got Moses, who was grown up in a king's house, went out to be a shepherd, an equal amount, 40 years of each. And when Moses came in, he didn't have any preparation. The Lord met him on the backside of the desert, right at the foot of Mount Sinai, or we usually say Sinai. And the Lord said, this is what I want you to do. Moses tried to get out of it, but the Lord, you know, goaded him enough, gave him a friend to go with him. And uh, he went out there, and first thing that happened was, so let my people go. And Pharaoh said, oh, you guys have enough time to have a, a family uh, council meeting? Guess what? We're going to make you work harder. And they said, Moses, you really messed things up. So Moses went back to Pharaoh and said, hey, this is the power of God. He proved the power of God. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So God said, Moses, go out to the Nile River and change the river into blood. He did. The priests, I don't know where they got clean water, but anyway, they changed water into blood too. So Pharaoh said, ain't no big deal. After a few days, he said, yeah, it is a big deal. Uh, can you change this around? So the Lord let Moses do it and on and on and so forth. Went through all these plagues. Pharaoh never, they negotiated, they negotiated, never happened. But finally, they got out of there with, with no provision. The only thing they did was take all the gold jewels from the Egyptians, right? Well, when you're out in the middle of the desert, um, you can't really eat gold, and you really can't eat silver, and you can't eat jewelry, right? Precious stones. I mean, you, you got all this wealth, what are you going to use it to buy? <laughs> uh, there, there's no 7-Eleven out there. Right? So yeah, they spoiled the Egyptians and they took everything they could carry with them. They had no, not a lot of time prior, but stuff started falling out of heaven. There's one day, this guy Moses took his staff and he smacked a rock and water came out of the rock. First Corinthians chapter 10 says that rock followed them in the wilderness. Did the rock wiggle its way through the wilderness? I don't know. Or was it the stream and the rivers of water that flowed out of that thing? Was that what literally followed them around wherever they went? And for what reason did it dry up later in later years? We don't, we're not told any of those stories, but put one, in, one together, maybe sometimes end up with two. What I'm trying to say is God sent a man into Egypt. And he said, prepare the way for my people. A couple hundred years later, or less, he sent another man out of Egypt. And he prepared him to go back into Egypt and just take them all out with no provisions. And he said, you're going to have to trust that your shoes are going to be all right. Your tent's going to last. Your clothes are going to last. You're just going to have to Trust that enough food is going to fall out of a clear sky. And enough water is going to come from miraculous sources for you to live. So we see two different types of faith. We see the type of faith that Joseph had. He heard the voice of God. He interpreted the dream. It caused him to walk into his destiny. 
Then you see another guy who heard the word of God and with a little goading, you know, see, I don't think Joseph would have willingly gone into Egypt any more than Moses did. Right? But he found himself there anyway. He found himself in prison, but he was still hearing from God. And Moses found himself out in the wilderness, but he was still hearing from God. Amen. Learning out there for 40 years how to lead a flock. How to lead a people. And Moses had a heart after God. He cried unto God, Oh God, don't kill them. God, don't kill them. What are they going to say if you do? The Lord said, I'll start over with you. And the Lord could have. He started over with Noah. He could have started over with Moses. Moses said, what are they going to say? After you've wrought such a great deliverance. So the Lord said, fine, I won't do it. There's two different kinds of faith. It's the kind of faith that really it depends on the same thing. I heard from God. I heard from what God told us to do. And we'll walk in our destiny. And we'll start providing. Even if it takes seven years, we'll start providing, right? And then there's another guy that's just been in a place of privation for 40 years. And all of a sudden, the Lord will tell you, go into the most powerful court in the world and say, I want things done. Mm. Elijah the Tishbite, he walked into a very powerful court and said, listen, you're a wicked king. It's not going to rain. See it. He walked out. Mm. Sometimes God will cause us to go right into the enemy's camp and say, this is how it's going to be. I don't think you're not going to have a fight. Elijah had a fight. Moses had a fight. But they won in the name of Jesus. And after Moses' fight, they ended up at the mountain of God. After Elijah's fight, he ended up at the mountain of God. Same place. Moses and Elijah both. Right? After they left Egypt, they brought the bones of Joseph. Because Joseph's request was, don't let my bones stay in Egypt. They brought his bones with them. I find something about that just, I don't know what the right word to describe it is. Joseph said, I don't even want my earthly remains that are wasting away into dust. I don't want them to remain in this land. He knew, even though he was in the greatest land in the world, he knew, this is not where I belong. Take me with you when you leave. He knew our destiny is not to stay there. Our destiny is just to get saved for now. So which anointing will God rest upon you? It's all faith. Are, do you have the kind of anointing to prepare? Or do you have the kind of anointing to just walk by faith? You know, uh, we went out to Indiana a couple weeks ago. And my, uh, my friend Dean, he's got this go bag on. He's got a gun on his hip. He's got everything he needs to bug out at a moment's notice. He takes that bag with him everywhere. He takes it to work with him. He takes it on any trip. He takes it everywhere. He's got that bag. It's prepared for every essential necessity, rather. And he carries that gun in his hip. And here I am. I got a couple of extra sets of clothes. I don't have a gun. <laughs> I don't have a, a bug out bag, right? I got nothing. You know, well, he's... Now, apparently, he's the kind of guy that the Lord will cause to prepare. And I'm the kind of guy that the Lord will just show up when necessary. Which one's better? It's which whatever God leads you into. But whichever one God leads you into, you've got to be ready for it. Because neither path is, is fun. See, Joseph had to be prepared in order to get there. Moses had to be raised in the lap of luxury.
that he could not enjoy sin for a season. So he had to leave. And then have the next 40 years of a bunch of backbiters and complainers and murmurers and ugh, what a job. But you know what? He went all the way up. He got to stand up on that mountain. Was that Mount Nebo? Somewhere up in there. He got able to stand on that mountain and look and see for the first time in his life. That's our destiny. Praise God. Stand with me. Don't throw away your confidence, folks. God's going to take care of you one way or the other. If you will trust in him. We're not that group of people that says it'd be better to go back to Egypt. At least they had food there. We have food. Yeah, might be manna that falls from heaven, but we have food. We have water. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack for anything. He maketh me to lie. Uh, or he, uh, he leads me to green pastures. He causes me to be led to the still waters, right? Later he says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. But what does he promise first? I'll have need of nothing. As long as I have grass to eat and water to drink, uh, well, I guess that's all I need. If you have food and raiment, there would be content. Praise God. Praise God. Not saying it's easy, but the Lord says if you'll do it, you'll get confidence. Because you'll know God. You'll know God is going to take care of you. I believe that's what the prophet was saying. Prove him to see if he will not open the windows of heaven for you. Just do what he says, and he's going to provide for you. It's, it's, not, it, it's not hard, but it is. It's the easiest thing, but it's the hardest thing. Praise God. Why don't we come down to the front here today? The Lord wants to build faith for hard times. If you are the type of God, uh, guy that the Lord's going to give you a Joseph anointing, then roll with it. It's not going to be easy. If you're the type of guy that God's going to give you a Moses anointing, then roll with it. It's not going to be easy. Either one's not easy. You might think Moses had a better deal. He did not. Neither one of these guys had a, a good deal from a human perspective. Mm -hmm. But they both did what God wanted them to do. Yes. And we're still telling their stories thousands of years later. Yes. Because of a couple of guys said, I'm going to go ahead and do the big. Praise, Praise God. God. Will you lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder? Praise God. Let's pray one for another. Lord God, give us faith. Lord God, we believe. Help thou our unbelief. Lord God, I believe that you are the great God Almighty. You can heal my mind. You can heal my heart. You can heal my spirit. You can heal my finances. You can save my kids. You can give me a place to live. You can give me a job. You can give me an education. Well, Lord God, what is it that you want? What is it that you want for me? Where do you want me to go in this life? How do you want me to operate? How do I take care of the people of God? How do I take care of my family? How do I take care of this relationship between us and God? Lord God, provide miraculously or prepare ahead of time. Whichever way it is, Lord God, rest that anointing 
upon each and every one of us as we pray one for another. Lord God, give us faith. Give us confidence. Give us hope. Give us love. Lord God, help us to understand that it is a work of the kingdom. It is a work of love.
We touched on this earlier in the early part of the service. Praying to God, it's not a duty, it's a love affair. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Talking to people about Jesus, it's about how much you love them. If you got a brand new dog, you're going to want to tell everybody about your brand new puppy, right? Praise Come on, if we can do that for a puppy, we can do it for the greatest salvation Amen. this world has ever seen. When me and Amber first started dating, I told everybody I had, I had a girlfriend. <laughs> I, I would try to slip it into conversation. Oh, but my girlfriend said, <laughs> oh, me and my girlfriend, we went. Come on, when you love something, you're going to talk about it. Yes, amen. About it. When you love Jesus, you're going to talk about it. Yes, amen. When you love Jesus, you're not going to need some pastor beating you over the head to pray. Amen. Come on, understand, this is not so much a duty as a love affair. Can we reach up to heaven one more time? Lord God, I love you. Hallelujah. Because you first loved me. Yes, Lord. Help me to love you, Lord. Help me understand your love, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord God. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. each other. Amen. Did you guys did you did you keep the oil? I have it in my You have it. You keep bringing it back and forth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 